This is Rob Talbot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. It's been far too long since I've said this. I'm delighted to be joined today by Barry Jones, the smooth... I always call John Rawlin the smooth voice of boxing. You can be the smooth Welsh voice of boxing. How are you, Barry? <laughs> I'm all right, mate. Thanks. And yeah, yeah, nice to hear from you again. I guess you've exhausted all the top tier names in boxing. And so I, I know you're on like the B, C list, D list. Uh, yeah. I actually, um, I, I conducted my interviews during lockdown on height order. So um, it's just it's just oh, you I, and Spencer Oliver left. <laughs> we said we said the Edwards and Spencer Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been, mate? Good. You, you know what? Like, like everyone else, it's been frustrating and a little bit tedious at times because every day is the same but because it's the same but you know apart from that we're, we're healthy my family's healthy and, and I guess that's the that's the main thing but please let's get back to some boxing that's that would just be a dream come true you take it for granted the job in general no you're involved in boxing you sometimes you know sometimes you have to keep telling yourself what you do for a living you're privy especially if you've grown up loving the sport I'm sure you did, but I don't. I don't. I only speak for myself. I know I definitely did. So to be involved in a sport that I not only did, but I loved anyway. You know, sometimes you take it. You just take it for granted. It just becomes a normal job, and things like this happening makes you realise how privileged you are. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's been a, a something that I've kind of thought of. I mean, I haven't posted any tweets or anything talking about how oh this is terrible. I'm bored and stuff. Because as you say, there are people out there who are in far worse situations than we are. But Having said that, it is all relative to kind of where you are in your life and what you're doing. And for us, this has been, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like August, but magnified times 50, and it hasn't stopped. Yeah. It is, that's exactly what it is. Usually August would be a bit of a, a nice little break, wouldn't it? Except for the money, you know, and you don't get no money in your pocket, but you thought, like, that's okay, because September, October, will certainly, November will certainly be packed out, so you make it up, but yeah, it's that. And obviously, like for everybody in this lockdown, it's especially people who are self-employed, or you know, you worry about your income. There is no income coming in, of course, and, and also people who are not self-employed are worried that even if they're being furloughed, will there be a job for when they go back? And I think that's the. So you're sat at home doing nothing. Sounds nice. Sounds lovely for two weeks, but um, you know, for, for three months and then again, not knowing when you're going to go back to work, it's a, it's a bit of a stress for everybody, but. We're all in it together, and I guess that's that's a bit of a solitude on its own. I guess you know something you can build on. We're all in together, and, and we all understand how each other feels. And that's 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 quite a rare commodity nowadays. Yeah, we can sort of all sort of empathise with each other. Are you all one of the the most enthusiastic people who I speak to? And I'm not just saying that because you're here. That's very much true. Um, <laughs> um, you said that on your last interview. I, I heard it. <laughs> You, cer- you certainly didn't. Um, but basically what I'm getting with that is you strike me as the type of person who would absolutely hate this. Every time I see you around, I think the last time we would have seen each other would have been around Wilder Fury 2? Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. You go from kind of such a, a, a massive high and that kind of fight week to where we are now. That that has been part of the thing that's been, been quite troubling for me. You go from literally the highest of highs to a complete standstill. How have you felt with that? Yeah, that's the hardest bit because you know, sometimes you'll do, you'll do like a Fury Wilder fight and then I'll be in Newcastle doing an NTK show. So that seems like a massive come down, but to me it's not mm. because like, as much as I love the big fights and that's what we're all in it for, you want to be involved in the biggest fights possible. But 
those small leisure centre shows is where I learn my trade. So I have like a, a love for that. That's the grassroots. You're looking at kids thinking, will this kid be a, you know, will, will, will other people be talking about this kid in two years' time, 12 months, three years? We just found a little, and earthed a little gem here. So that's, that, I sort of love that equally as, as I do those Vegas trips. Not, not equally, not equally, because it's Las Vegas, you know. You can't compare Newcastle to Las Vegas. But, although, but they compared with the best of them in Newcastle, also, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Glenn McCrory might disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not scared of Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what have you been doing in in lockdown? Have you been watching any fights? Watching any fighters? Yeah. Do you know what? It's it's been it's, it's, it's horrible because you're not seeing live fights. But I think Sky and BT have done fantastic because BT have used uh, they're not showing their old their old fights, of course. And BT catalog is not as extensive as, as Sky's catalog, of course, because they don't go far that back that far. But I think they they've had some Warren's back catalog, which has been quite good. And also, they've made some of the ESPN stuff, the classic fights, you know, like Ali and, you know, and, and against Foley, people like that. Every fight, you know, you almost forgot it happened, which has been really, really enjoyable to watch. And Sky have shown some things that, you know, like uh, Brody and, and Chin Chai, and you go, wow, man, you, know, you remember that fight. But then, and you remember it being a great, great little fight and a good scrap. Then when you sit down watching it, it's different. You go, whoa, it's like watching it for the first time. So it's been, that's been quite enjoyable. But I've been overdosed with boxing as well a little bit. That's the thing because you know, I have too much time on your hands. And, uh, but I'm a basketball fan, so I've been, they've been showing the, the like the NBA classics. So I've been watching them quite a lot of that as well, which has been um, taking a bit of my time. Barry, I, I I don't mean to make a second hype joke, but you're not the type of bloke who I would have expected to be a huge NBA fan. That surprised me. Yeah, you know, there's um. Isaiah Thomas is five foot nine, still taller than me. Nate Robinson's five foot eight, I think, still taller than me. But, you know, so you can make it. So I'm probably past that threshold, you know, age wise, that I'll be a basketball player. But I loved it. I loved basketball. It was, it was growing up. It was, it was probably more, especially in my sort of up to about fourteen. I think basketball was was a bigger love than boxing for me. I was better at boxing, I think, and, and obviously I picked the right sport. But if I could have been, if, if someone would have asked me at 14, do you want to be the best boxer in the world or the best basketball player in the world, I would have picked basketball. And, it, and I loved it. I love it. I love everything, everything about it because it's competitive. And because I wasn't nasty, and basketball, although basketball in the 90s, 80s, and 90s was a bit more physical than it is now, it's ridiculous. I, I think that would get away with stuff nowadays. But you, know, you can't get away with anything, no fouls at all. But it's a bit more physical back then. But it, it's still not really, you know, it's still a respectful sport. You know, you get, you, you know, if you're disrespectful to the referee, you, know, you get a technical foul. But when we talk about basketball, I don't know, but I'm, this is it now. This is it. Ba- basketball social, this will be called, not for long. Thanks to me. Yeah, but basketball was a love of mine, and I'm never going to be great today, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. So, yeah, maybe it's. Um, I was pretty good as a kid, I'll be honest. I picked boxing because you fight fighting people your own size. That's pretty much what it was. It was the only sport where you had, you know, you could be using that. You no, know, if you were small, it wasn't a disadvantage. That's the truth. 
Well, I, I quite like that we've come on to that. We've, I, I feel like every possible lockdown angle has been exhausted. So if we're going to move on to basketball, that's absolutely fine by me. Have you watched the last round, uh, the last dance on Netflix? Yeah, I have. I've been, I've loved it. I've loved it, and and then I've been a little bit like everyone's on. Everyone loves it now, and like I feel a bit like, hang on a minute, this is my spot. It's my spot. You know, I mean, this is what don't all you people go. Oh, I've seen our last dance. I'm shut up. You want to think about basketball? But um, yeah, it's been, it's been it's it's amazing. It's been fantastic. And yeah, you just think of oh, what it takes to be uh, the, the selfishness and, and the commitment and the time you have to put in to be a, to be a great. And that's the difference to be to be a, a to be a good fighter or a good person. Sport, be a good sportsman. You got to be good. You got to be committed. You got to be a little bit selfish. But to be a great, you have to be. Selfish, arrogant. I think. I think that's the difference. I risk people disliking you. Like you know, that's that's the. I think that's the. When people like Nas, Nas was was a British boxing great, and you know, to not be an all time great in boxing could have been, but he didn't care what people thought about him. You know, and he didn't, and you know, and he took he made a certain mistake. But in fact, he was so committed to what he wanted to do and what he wanted to be, like Michael Jordan. That if you didn't like me, that's your business. I'm out here to make success for myself. I believe my everyone says legacy nowadays, but that these people are genuinely like Michael Jordan left the legacy, a real legacy. He changed, he changed the sport, he changed the sport as we know it. He came in and, and, and just blew it up, and and all the other all the other players since then, Kobe Bryant, you know, um, Dwayne Wade, and obviously LeBron James, they, they've all you know been a success, and, and a lot of it's due to, to Michael Jordan. Mentioned and it's kind of how I was gonna I was gonna come on to boxing through that. You mentioned Naz and having that kind of that ego and that that really self driven motivation. Can that work against you as a fighter, or do you think that can only be a good thing? I think you have to be an eternal dreamer to be a boxer. First of all, because where most boxers start off working castle below, to be honest, to be a world champion and to be on all the riches that that can potentially come with that. It's almost a surmountable task. How can you get from where I am now, living in a flat or you know on, on benefits or whatever it is, to become you know a rich, famous, well, you know, best of my, best in my field? It's almost impossible, and that's what that's the beauty of the sport in many ways. So you have to be a, a, a little bit of a dreamer. You have to have that self belief where no one else will believe you. you know, when you when you're young and you're saying I'm going to be champion of the world, people will laugh at you. You have to believe it. But also, it can come crashing down on your ears. If you don't have some... I always thought, like, I was lucky because my, my parents, especially my father and my grandfather, made me keep my feet on the ground. So they, they encouraged me and they were fantastic. And they were big factors in my life. The success I had has been due down to them. But they would never let me get too carried away because the realisation is that, you, know, you just if you think you're a god... And in terms of you're not, you can you can really fall off the rails and get depressed and all sorts. And, and you know, and, and not, you see a lot of kids who don't fight the game when they get beat. Amateur and professional because they were meant to be all time greats in their mind, and they couldn't get past domestic level. So, yeah, it's a risk with that that, that total tunnel vision of self belief. You need it, but it's a risk with it. There's a risk with that as well. I think in many ways. But listen, it's the risk worth taking. But, you know, I think if you have a talent, and you have to believe in that talent. And you have to bet on yourself. Otherwise, what's the point? As much as 
I always say a thing called, um, and trainers must hate me for it, but the fighter always makes the trainer. And, and it's, 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 it's a broad statement, so it could be, you know, a trainer's worth his weight in gold. It can be the difference between winning and losing a fight. You most certainly can. And a trainer in a cornerman can be two different things, Mike. A good trainer might, not be, might be a rubbish cornerman. But, so, but sometimes you get the whole package, and that can, that can be invaluable. But you can't polish a turd. You, know, you, you, you can't, you know, the boxer can only do what he can do to a certain extent. And you can help him, develop him, and you can get, and you can, and you can have a game plan. But game plans are fluid because the other guy's out there trying to do his thing and that could work, work against your game and you need to have another plan. So game plans may be so, so flexible that almost they don't really work. So, so I think that the boxer always makes the trainer. So you have to believe in yourself. No, you can't go blaming the trainer if you lose. And that's because if you do it your way, and, and you do it your way, but you almost have to also have to sort of contradict myself. But you do it, you have to do it your way. But you also, when you pick a trainer, he has to be your boss. Even though you're paying him, he technically works for you. So if you don't do what you're told in the gym, in the gym, you have to believe what he's saying. So if you don't believe what he's saying, you need to go somewhere else. But you have to believe in him. You have to be, otherwise, you can't train yourself. You can't tell you can't tell your trainer when you have when you've done enough work when you want to stop. Otherwise, you won't get fit enough, and you won't, and you won't have that determination and that, that inner steel in a hard fight. You want to push through that that barrier to get to the next round or the next stage, which might make you the difference between winning and losing a fight. But at the source, at the same time, you have to you, know, you have to believe in your talent. You have to believe in yourself. You have to make sure that you're comfortable with the people around you who do what they, what anything for you and not for their own career. Because some trainers, as much as they want you to win, they want some of them, some, not all, want you to win for them. Because they have ambition. And there's nothing wrong with that. They have an ambition. They want to be a trainer. They want to um, advertise themselves to more fighters willing to get more money. So they're living for them too. So you have to be aware of that as well. Right? As much as a trainer wants you, wants you to win and wants you to be successful, it's, it's not always just for you. And why should it be? So it becomes a weird thing because then you, you literally have a load of people just out there out for themselves and everyone really pat me on the back saying, well, we're all for you, we're all for you. This makes you sound cynical. It's not really, but you have to, people have ambitions. You have to make sure that, that pretty much you have to make sure your trainer's ambition doesn't come before your own. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. It's an interesting... In- no, no way answers your question. <laughs> Here, but there you go. That's absolutely fine. We we've been talking about basketball for the last ten minutes. We're fine. We don't need we don't need a, a, a strict schedule. Um, it's an interesting point that you make, and I, I think you may know where I'm going to go with this. But a good example or a striking example of two separate game plans in two big fights: Wilder Fury One, Wilder Fury Two. You have two completely different training setups, two completely different game plans. Is that what we saw in those two fights? You do. So so see Ben Davison. Nice fella, did a fantastic job with Tyson. The way, the way Tyson was, you can't take so much credit because Tyson was a world class athlete before he met him. But the, no one mentions Peter Fury anymore. Like Peter Fury never existed. Like the, the performance, the, the, the win against Klitschko, it's still his best win. Not his best performance. Best performance was his last fight, but his best win was to go to Germany against Klitschko, who was still on top, who was still on top at the time, still wasn't wasn't on the way down. And he beat him. 
in a horrible, stinky, boring, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but his tactically was perfect. He did the right thing to win a world title away from home with all the odds against him. Fury gets credit for that. No, we forgot about him. Then Ben Davis is the saviour. And Ben did a great job with him. And I think, well, star-wise, I think for the first fight, I think Tyson boxed the right fight. But then the second, but then, so, so Ben gets all the praise for that and, and good luck to him. So he should, in many ways. But still, Tyson is, is the talent. Tyson's the one who's really doing it. So really, all the praise should go to him. Because then in the next fight, the second fight, a totally different, totally different style, totally different approach to the fight, which I would have said go the same way as Ben Davis did the first fight. Just be a little bit more, could you be a little bit fitter, could you do more rounds, and just be, of course, you don't get caught later on in the fight. But it was a better performance. So does that mean now Ben Davison's not the good trainer anymore? No, he's not. He's not the the Messiah that everyone was saying he was. Because theoretically, Tyson was better with Sugar Hill. It was a better performance, a better outcome, and he and he got more, more accolades for it. No, it doesn't mean Ben's a bad trainer. It still means Ben's a good trainer. And Ben will go on to full success because you got Josh Taylor. Who's a massive talent, so he cannot be successful with Josh Taylor in the corner. He's training Billy Joe Saunders, who's a huge talent. Unless Billy Joe goes in against Canelo, then he's going in with, with a winning fighter straight away. So, and, and he and he deserves all that. He puts the work in, and, he, and, and I can, and I like the way he approaches fighting. His understanding technically and, and tactically is quite is something that I find quite impressive. But still, you give him a rubbish fighter. What does he do with him? Well, it's not that's not his fault. You know, he was getting slagged off because when Billy Joe boxed out Akamov in Paisley, you know, he was getting slagged off by everybody. Who's this kid? What's Billy Joe doing with him? He's rubbish. Look at Billy. Billy and Billy was terrible that night. And Ben got the blame. That's not Ben's fault. It's Billy's fault. For one using an inexperienced trainer, probably for financial reasons, probably paid him less. And what but what did he realise is that gave Ben loads of Experience, a horrible experience, but those experience that he that he that he used and he harnessed to make him a better trainer down the line. So you know, again, I go back to the point where not slagging trainers off, they're worth their weight in gold, but you're only as good as the fighter you have, and that's the truth. That is the truth. Because it, it, it because I don't care who was training Tyson Fury, not, not, Tyson Fury is Tyson Fury. I could train him. No. You get a Brendan Ingle. He, he had, he'd had those kids from schoolboys. I didn't like the way Enzo, Mac- Enzo Kazaki trained. I don't think Enzo Kazaki could have done much with me. But look who he produced. Three world champions. From scratch. From scratch. Certainly two. I, I'm not sure where Nathan Cleverley, don't know if he boxed him also, his amateur career, but, but Joe from day one. And, get, and that's his son. But Gavin Reese is not from, day, from scratch. From scratch. So he had from schoolboys at the seat of the thing. So when, when people go to these trainers, if you're going to go, oh, who had him first, who did this, who did that, but then who's taking the credit? Well, why, why, why are all the amateur trainers getting all the credit for it? They're the ones who taught him the basics, who taught him from from the offset. Rob McCracken, another one, you know, he, 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 he don't get enough credit. To be honest, he don't get enough credit. He, he, he didn't train him from the amateur, from the schoolboy days, but he had them from in the academy, in the, Saturday Sheffield, there's Carl Frotch and, and Auntie Joshua, and he's a calm voice in the corner, 
and they trust him. And that's the, that's the important part of being a trainer-boxer relationship. As much as all the technical stuff, and anyone can get you fit. But, and then in this day and age, boxers have enough knowledge to get themselves fit anyway. But the trust between the two. Now that guy in the corner, what he tells you, you have to believe. And if you believe it, then it's right, and it's right, then it, it'll work for you. And I think, John, I think Ron McCracken has that with Frotch, which definitely with Frotch. One of the great partnerships in British boxing, I think, them two. And, and also with Joshua, because Joshua, Joshua didn't listen maybe in the, in the first Ruiz fight, but in the second Ruiz fight, he listened to everything. And that was, that was what was impressive more than anything. Joshua in that second fight was that was is he didn't have the, the the lack of arrogance that he would still as much as a superstar as he is he was still he was listening like he was like he was a novice amateur and that, and that and that's what you want as a coach from your from your guys to listen to you in the corner and do whatever you tell him the, the faith that he has in you I think if you, if you get that bond then I think that's the perfect fit. Just going back to Fury, I mean, you make some some good points with the different trainers he's had for the different fights and kind of the different styles that he's had to implement in all of those fights. You look at the win against Vladimir Klitschko and particularly the most recent performance against Deontay Wilder, they are polar opposites. We've spoken about trainers, but as you mentioned, you know, a trainer's only as good as the fighter. What does that say about Tyson Fury, the versatility, being able to do that against Vladimir Klitschko and that against Deontay Wilder? It makes him a potential great. I say potential great because I think there's still things he has to do to get over that line. I said this to you, I think. I think it's, I mean, I'm actually said that to you the, the, the last time we spoke. At the, I think it was the, the press on the way in on the press conference. I think with the last time we spoke on camera was before Fury Wallin. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, because then he had had the boxer. Yeah. And, and I certainly potential, he has potential to be a great, and it, and it is his versatility to change, to adapt styles. And, and and have the confidence to do that, and you know, I, th- I think that makes you a great. I, I didn't think Tyson Fury was going to be even world class, to be honest, when he turned pro. I didn't. I seen him as a, a big fella who listen, they can all punch, but he didn't seem like he had a, uh, that concussive power that maybe you needed that weight, certainly at the, at the highest level. And he gave you too many opportunities because he's a because he's so um, unorthodox. He's a box, he's a pure boxer, but he made so many mistakes. Gives you so many opportunities to, to, to catch him, and that's part of his makeup. He wants to you know, rather than faint, they'll, they'll say that he faints lovely. No, he'll drop his hands in range and give you, a, give you a chance to hit him. And, that, and I thought, he, and he got clipped a few times early in his career. And I just thought that at the higher level, those clips you're not going to get up from. You're just not going to get up from him. And I just think that all that, I just didn't see him. I thought you don't I think domestically, they always do well. And, European level, you might box for a world title, maybe at the stretch, but I didn't see him being anywhere where he is now. But I think his, his mental toughness, especially, and also his, his versatility and just his boxing brain, I think he, he can adapt. And that adaptability is something that you can't really teach, really. You either have it, you can tell someone to do something different, but it's very hard to change the pattern of their fight. It really is. It's very hard to take. Kazakh did it with Kester in, in, in the fight. And, you know, at, at that level, it's, it's very difficult to do. And fighters who can do that, and fighters who can change tactics totally. And, yeah, because then, then you can't train. You can't. You find it hard to train for them. You, 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 when you, you go to box Tyson Fury, you're thinking, 
I've got to put educated pressure on it. I've got to cut the ring off. You know, I've got to draw that what that that jab of his and get the right under the top. I've got to get him closer to you know, I've got to work, push him on the back ropes. I've got to make him work hard. All these things make him uncomfortable. Throw lots of punches because he moves his head a lot. So he hit the body a lot. And, and then he comes at you the next fight. It blows your mind. What do I do now? You know, and, he, and he smothers your work and makes you, and makes you on the, puts you moving backwards so you can't get the weight on your back with the push off with the power. You wouldn't bet a penny on him doing that. He was telling us he was going to do it. But, you know, you just think that's just a ruse, you know, just to try and you know, get them thinking, oh, he's going to do something different. But he, he sort of double bluffed, really, didn't he? He certainly did. He double double bluffed big. Um, when was when was the first time that you you mentioned you didn't expect him to be a world class heavyweight, maybe kind of fringe European level? When was the first time that you thought, okay, Tyson Fury maybe could do something on the world level? Was it was it right up to that first the Vladimir Klitschko fight, or was it something before Chisora rematch? Maybe. Yeah, Chisora rematch was pretty good. I thought that was very impressive. But he was good because the size alone, but. That that Klitschko, I think the Klitschko went for me because you know, I thought I didn't I didn't give him a chance in hell. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't think he would. I, 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 I got no chance. Not again. You know, the guy who's, who's, who's strong, lovely, a real good jab. You know, and does and keeps his shape well. I thought that's you know struggle with that because he he to wants to make you wants to make you untidy. So you know you make all these stupid movements, do all these silly things, trying to ruffle your feathers. And I just, I just didn't see it working with Chris. I thought he'd just be very, like, keeps his hands high. Everything's behind a solid jab, and that jab with Chris was really hard. So every time Tyson would do something silly, he'd just jab into the chest. That's what, that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought Tyson would unravel well out of steam and go stop late. And, he, and, and I, I, thankfully and happily, I was wrong. Right? Yeah. That was the that was part of where I thought, you know what? It wasn't a good fight to watch. He, he did everything right. Never been like to be the guy who seemed to be unbeatable. Now, was... that, still one of the best wins for a British boxer. It really is not not only the best performance, they're two different things, but one of the best wins for a British boxer abroad. Still, not the best, but one of them for sure. Now, you were as close as could be to both the first Wilder fight and the second Wilder fight. Now, it seems like it's a very easy blanket terminology to say, "Oh well, Fury." He boxed in the first fight, and in the second fight was more aggressive. But you have a keener eye than that, Mr. Jones. So how soon into the fight did you notice differences between Fury's first performance and his second performance, other, outside of the fact that he was coming forward, so to speak? Um, the weight in the shots. So the first fight, I think, he sort of pull him, he's throwing the jab, but there's a, there's a lack of confidence in it. So, I mean, it's a different use of the jab, not lack of confidence. It, he's throwing it to keep you awake. But in the first fight, he's throwing punches to push you back. And there's, so there's a huge difference there. They're putting, the, putting that weight, pushing off the back foot, they're using that front foot, just turning that front foot a little bit, getting a bit more purchase on the shot. So there was just the intent in his work on, from the offset was different. And it was still, no, no he boxed fantastic the first round. You still thought, well, it was going to come to life here. It was one of those where you sat there and you know you're watching something that you're going to go, wow. I'm glad I was here because this is going to be talked about for a long time. Now, I'm an older man than most people involved in boxing now, unfortunately. <laughs> and so I'm always Donald Curry. Because, no, Stracy versus Napoli was one of the best wins for the British boxing world. And probably the best win 
And so Lloyd Hunnigan for me was Donald Curry because Donald Curry, Napoli was an all-time great welterweight, by the way. But he made me just at the end of his career. He just got beat by Mons on the middle. He just come down and Stacey would beat him on cuts in a bull ring, mind this one, in Mexico. That's not oh, Obviously, Napoli was a Cuban, but he, he was based in Mexico. Mexico, he, Mexican hero, really. Mantequilla. One of his own. But, but he's, he... I still thought maybe just the time was right there because I think Napoli was just the end of his career. But Curry and Hunnigan, Hunnigan just went over there, really. It was just... A good experience for him. He boxes the pound for pound best fighter on the planet, and he got no chance in hell. And he, and, and we all, we, we've all found out what the problems Curry had, that, you know. But at the time, we didn't know all those problems that Curry had. So we go, wow, it was just unbelievable. He just blitzed him. So, come old, I can't look past that of being the best win and the best performance by a British boxer, especially in America, it, 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 abroad, ever. But that performance with Fury against Wilder, the performance itself was just a, a, one of the best. You could argue, I don't think it was the best, but it was one of the best. So top three performance in America on the British fighter, most definitely. Probably top two. Him and Curry will argue it out for that. It was the performance was full, it was flawless. And Curry was so unexpected. Like the like the Hernigan win against Curry, it was so unexpected. You just didn't. You just didn't see him winning that. You know, I thought he was going to win. The, I thought he was going to win this rematch, but I thought it'd be a mirror image of the first fight, where he has to get off the floor to win. But I think the judges would have been a little, little bit more um, correct and scored most of those rounds to feel that they should have been the first fight. But he did everything that I didn't think he could do, and, and that's why it was. It was just a. You knew you were seeing something great. What about Deontay Wilder? Obviously, the aftermath of the fight was surrounded by various excuses of varying different degrees of sanity, shall we say. Um, what did you make of his performance? How soon did you, or maybe you didn't think that there was anything different from him and it was all fury? What was your thought on Deontay Wilder? He was the one that allowed him to the fight. And, and the thing is, he's never had... He's been clipped a few times, he's been hurt and he's been hit. And what Wilder is, he's brave. He doesn't get no, no credit for being brave, he's brave. When he gets hit, he fires. I mean, that's literally, he's dangerous to the end. He really is. But he couldn't get his punches off. So fighters have gone at, fighters have gone at, at Wilder, and, they, and they've been caught coming forward. Because Tyson's more intelligent than some of these fighters. He didn't just go at him. He put pressure on him. It's different. Golovkin does it. He doesn't go at you. He puts pressure on you. So that front foot makes you panic and makes you back up. But he's never really jumping all over you. But then he's always a little slide away from, from being in distance and cracking you. That's what Fury did. Or those little feints, a little double feints, little finger all the time. Just you know, moving the hands constantly. Wilder couldn't set himself. So Wilder didn't have a chance to do anything. And, and also, I think the lack, the, the, the mayhem in his corner, the lack of faith that we spoke earlier in his trainer meant that he wouldn't really listen to instructions and too many voices and everything. You know, trying to blame everyone else for it. And, and the fact is, he's technically poor. I mean, he could be better. You watch him. He's, he's an athlete. That's what he is. He's, only, he's not a boxer. He's an athlete. You could make him decent at most sports. Basketball. My sport. He, he, he'd probably be decent at that. Because he's, well, he's athletic. He, he, he has that sort of frame. He's, he's, he's slim. And, and, and he's got and he's, you know, long limbs. So that's where he gets the power from. But, 
I don't think he's really worked on his on his on his basics. And it's hard to say that because he won a medal in the Olympics. But again, at that weight, it's down to power. But you can't be you can't be technically poor at any other weight except heavy or super or super heavy at the amateurs and heavyweights in the pros. You can be technically poor and still be very very good because the power. At any other weight, you can't have that. Any other weight, you can't have it. And, and that's sort of like a, you know, a, a good thing and a bad thing for these guys because you know the raw power. And that's why everyone loves the heavyweights because when they hit you, it, 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 it's, it's terrifying at times. But yeah, he hasn't really worked. The power's always got him through. Always got him out of trouble. So they just go, why fix what's, what if it's not if it's not wrong? This is broke. Why should we need to work on bad stuff? And I think that's uh, again not but not having faith to Mark Breeder was a beautiful boxer. And he was tall for six foot, for six foot one round to eight, and a beautiful jab. He was was the, one of the best amateurs ever. Forget, forget about one of the best American amateurs, one of the best amateurs ever. So an Olympic gold medalist and, and a world champion of welterweight. Actually, beat Lloyd Tunnigan over here as well in, in the UK. He was brilliant. So you think he'd be perfect fit for a while then? And so I think, why did why haven't he taught him the jab? Why haven't he taught him how to? box properly or to protect himself or to do the movements or to set ta- attacks up. No faith in him, no confidence, lack of respect. And I think that's, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that, that wasn't part of the downfall, but I think that, that didn't help. Because then you go back to the corner and things are not working, you need a calm voice. You need a, a voice of knowledge. You need someone to tell you something. Because most of the time, you go back to the corner, the train is telling if you if you know what you're doing, you only listen. That's the truth. You only listen because you know what you know what you're doing. If, if it comes to what you're winning, you don't really need advice. You're thinking about what we're going to do next. What we're going to do next. But when you when you get when you when you're losing, when you're getting be hurt, and I've been there in my last fight. You go back the corner, you put down twice, you know, and you, and you don't know what's happened because the power is so hard. You, you just like what, what's going on here, and you want your corner to tell you what's going on. You want your corner to go. Oh, go knock him out. Go knock him out. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I don't think he had any sound advice. Yeah. But that was up at the end. You got to, it's all down to Fury. Fury did. Fury put the pressure on him. He you know, made him doubt himself. And, and I think he didn't swallow it as such. But he felt sorry for himself. And felt sorry for himself very quickly. You mentioned that and, and kind of feeling sorry for himself. I mean, I think there was a moment in... I think it was the fourth or the fifth round where Tyson hit him with a right hook to the body and moved him halfway across the ring. And there was this kind of look in Deontay Wilder's eyes that had not grown accustomed to seeing from a from a world champion. It, it was that shock factor. Considering how one-sided the fight was, are you surprised that he's going to jump into the rematch, albeit when boxing does return? Yeah, I am. Um, you can look at it two ways. He has courage. Oh, he has bottle. He wants to fight them again. You know, he can't take the loss. You know, and I understand that. But you also tend to think this where he gets the most money. Because you know, if he wants to fight Joshua now, Joshua will fight him. But he goes in not not with a not with a begging bowl. But he doesn't go with the same the same crowd that he had prior to the the second Fury fight. So I think that that's the thing. If he, if he can beat Fury, and this he can always beat Fury, you know, he can knock anyone out. So 
he's all, as long as he's in the ring, he always has a chance with the power that he has. But it's not a fight that I would rush to see. I think I, I think it'd be a good fight again. I think Fury would do a, a similar sort of job. So and it's quite entertaining for a one-sided fight. It was quite entertaining. If you're a Fury fan, if you're a Wilder fight, then you want to see it, of course. And and, and there's better fights to watch. That's why it was on about Fury and Wilder, like Fury and, and Joshua, because that seems to be the better fight. To be honest, and that's what we want to see. So I don't, I understand why he wants it, but it, that fight puts him right back, you know, in in the in the in a strong bag in a position for the for the the Joshua fight, or another Fury fight even. You know, that that would be a possibility. If you could knock a big Fury or knock him out, then we'd want to see another one again, wouldn't we? We'd have to then, because you want to see who comes out on top. Then I'd rather see another fight than see Fury and him again. Right, I want to see Joshua. And you can build that fight up, and I understand that I don't know the business as well as promoters and managers, of course, but not involved in that. But as a boxing fan, I want to see it now before it's too late. Because as, as good as, as Fury is, and, uh, and as, as I was turning his life around, which has been the, the biggest story than anything he's done in the ring, let's be honest, he's still not sure how he is. Because he's, he's an extrovert. He's that sort of character. You just don't know where he's going to go. He might generally just go and generally do that WWE stuff and go, I can get paid $5 million for doing this, $10 million for doing this, or $15 million for genuinely fighting, or $10 million for pretend fighting. You know, but I, I'll pretend fight all day long. I say that, I did genuinely pretend fight when I was boxing. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So you, know, you don't know where he might. He might just go out of enough. You know, I, I, I don't know. I've I my legacy now, and I move on. Or, or who knows? Or one of them gets beat. Because look at look at the, the was it the Wilder fight he was terrible in? Mm. And then you know, look at the, it just you know he gets cut in a fight, and something happens, and he gets stopped, or Joshua gets knocked out, or Dillian White gets a shot at one of them, you know, in two thousand and fifty-four, <laughs> or something like that, you know, and, and and he gets the win, and he and he mixes it all up, and so this they let me know that's a huge fight. And it would be, I think, because it's lockdown stuff and this and this COVID nineteen thing has happened, we'd probably have to wait till maybe next year, the year after now. But it's a shame, really, because I think that would have been great for British boxing. Whoever wins, whoever you want to win, it doesn't know it, It's a great appetite. The two best heavyweights in the world, without argument, let's be honest, are both from Britain and could fight each other. You would never, not in my lifetime. Never. We've had all British title fights. We've got world title fights. We have any Cardiff with Lennox Lewis and Frank Bruno. But, and Bruno did really well. But Lennox must have been an overwhelming favourite. So it didn't seem like, you know, but this one now, you can, you surely will go with a favourite. But it was only like before, you no, know, it was only like a year ago where you know, probably Joshua was the favourite, you know, two years ago. And, and you can still see what Joshua could beat him. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a fight that I think would be exciting. What kind of difficult, uh, different rather, stylistic issues do you see Tyson Fury having to face against Anthony Joshua that he hasn't faced against Deontay Wilder? Um, Joshua's more versatile. That he proved that the, the way he adapted in the second fight against Fury. So he, can, he can't box like that against Joshua. Well, saying that, I said Fury couldn't box the way he did against Fury, against Wilder the second time that he did, so you never know, but 
you tend to think that Joshua can outbox Fury. That's pretty much a given, you would thought. But he's clean with his work. Will Wilder has more, I think, concussive shots. I think Joshua is probably heavier-handed. More weight behind his punches. Not heavy-handed. More weight behind. So he can probably push you back. But Josh punches inside his shoulder, inside his body frame. So he has, so he moves his shoulders and his hips correctly when he throws punches. Where Wilder, he brings his elbows up and he swings from, and he uses that athleticism and that massive reach wingspan he has to generate the power. Where Joshua throws direct and pushes right through. So where Fury would maybe come in and make a bit of a mistake and square his feet at times, they're the sort of shots I would, I would put him on his backside or make him have to rethink his, his, his strategy. So that, that, that's where he causes more problems. But apart from, and Josh is another one who's a bit like Wilder where I know he panicked in the, in the, he panicked in the Ruiz fight and he did panic and that's the one. But before that, he was another guy who was brave. He was fire when he's hurt. He did it in a white fight, for example. You know, he, he, was, he gets clipped, but he wants to fire back. So again, that's, there's, always, there's always a worry there. And he's an athlete. He's a supreme athlete. And he will be diligent in his work. And he'll do everything that's asked of him. And, and he won't freeze, because he's been a massive, he's been on the biggest stage, as, as is Joshua, as is Fury as well. We've both been on such big stages now that the Fury will never freeze, because he's, 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 he's not a lunatic. He's just an extrovert, so he loves the more drama, the better for him. But for Joshua, he's, you know, I don't think he's quite like that, but I think he's been such at a high level now that nothing would phase him. And anything that, jo- anything that Fury did in the press conferences, I don't think that would affect him anymore. Well, it might have a few years ago, five, six years ago, maybe, but not now. So I think there's, there's, there's a lot of different things that Fury will overcome, but I find it difficult to see past a Fury win unless he makes mistakes. That's where I think. I think he, for me, he has to make mistakes for Joshua to capitalize on, rather than Joshua forcing mistakes. Does that make sense? Mm. In other fights, you think, oh, you could force him to do something wrong. I can't see Fury forcing him. I think you can put pressure on him, but I just can't. Unless Joshua gets Fury, got to get overconfident and make a silly mistake. But and then Joshua has to be ready, and that's that's so he has to be patient with his work. But always putting pressure on, and I think you look back at the eighties heavyweights where they used to jab to the body and hit you on the shoulders and keep you off balance, and make you feel the weight. I think that's a bit more tactic for him rather than you know, trying to get on his toes and like against your knees or just rushing it in like a lunatic and going for goal, going for goal, thinking he's got the power to knock him out, which he has, but he would leave himself, you know, massively exposed. One fight that I did want to ask you about. Uh, Uncle Frank was uh, doing his thing of saying some things that caught, caught the eye of one or two people. He said Daniel Dubois. He would be happy to see Daniel Dubois versus Deontay Wilder at the end of the year. Do you think that's Frank being Frank, or do you think that's realistic? Uh, do you know what? Frank's, Frank's a funny character, Frank, because he'll say, like all say, they build their fighting up to the max and they'll say some outlandish things for people who are candid. You'll say that today. Then if he says it with someone else, you'll, you'll sag him off. But when Frank believes in a fighter like he did Joe Karzaghi, no one wanted to touch him. To go back, I'm regressing, but yeah, go back to Joe Karzaghi. Nobody wanted to touch him. I mean, TV companies, I, I love Joe Karzaghi with all my heart. But no one wanted to touch him. Couldn't sell a ticket. He did some scrappy fights. 
And Frank was rambling on people's throats. ITV didn't want him. Listen, this kid's going to be a star. He, when he believes in you, you know he knows he knows the business. I don't know technically he knows the business, but it's good as better than anyway. So once he believes in you, and he, like I think he does the rap, he believes in the rap. Like he, I almost blindly believes in him. I think it's not. I don't think it's a it's a promotional stunt or publicity stunt. I think he genuinely believes that I got the next star here, and I think he would chuckle in. I think it's a, the thing with the rap again. It's like a little bit like at the yards when he boxed Kovalev. You were, you would you want to see some questions answered before he got in at that level, and the Joe Joyce fight would have been like that. A guy that was new hit a guy, he doesn't really fall over, or when you get clipped. Like we seen the guy get caught. Was it Richard Larty? Maybe? Yeah, Richard Larty hit him. No punching together. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but and he took it quite well. But you want to see like a genuine guy who has a bit of class and real potential, world class of him. Are you are you are you caught with that and? Listen, they, they believe in him. I, 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 how much do you wait long forever? I don't know. I don't know. The problem is he, he's only young. You can't hold fighters back nowadays. Like years ago, you could, think you could feed him 35 you know, Mexican road sweepers and no one would know any different. But now, with the internet and, and YouTube and things like your 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 platforms, we all, we all have... A, Boxing fans have a better knowledge, so promoters can get away with the stuff they would before. For good and for bad, sometimes it, 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 it doesn't benefit the fighters that they have to have, you know, hard fights all the time. But it's hard, it's hard to get away with it now. So he's, whatever young he is, he's gone to this level now. Joe Joe was a real hard fight. It was a real hard fight, by the way. It, that fight's crazy because I picked Dubois, you know, to win. It just all happened. And I know at the time, I, I think it was bad, but Chucho is an Olympic silver medalist. And really, should have been a gold medalist, mm-hmm. let's be honest. I can't remember the last time two British boxers have boxed and you've gone against the gold medalist. You've gone against the, 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 Olympic, the Olympic star and you've gone against him you know, early in their careers. Even Groves, even Groves and DeGale. You know, like, you even fancy DeGale, I think, mainly. And you're not, unless you're a Groves, massive Groves fan, you just thought maybe DeGale, even though Groves had beat him twice, you thought maybe DeGale was just a bit more speed and movement and you know, just and you would fancy him. So like, I think it, you know, it's crazy that you just don't, I fancy Dubai over the guy who really boxes at a higher, Joseph boxes at a better, higher level as a professional, by far, let's be honest, and as an amateur by far. It's almost like, on paper, it's almost a mismatch, really. But then somehow you still fancy Dubai, and that, that maybe shows that people can see that quality that he has, you know, that, that little bit of special talent that he might have. So yeah, I think Dubai. I think for me, twelve months to to walk to box um, Wilder, maybe a bit too soon. I to be honest, I think that's a bigger risk. But again, once Frank has a belief in you, I think he just he, he, he chucks everything that he has, all his faith in you, and yeah, and he barely, you know, at the highest level, he barely, barely, barely gets it wrong, to be honest. Okay, just before I let you go, um, sorry, you froze up a little bit there. Just before I let you go, um, kind of in keeping with the heavyweight bits and pieces, Tyson Fury, um, he mentioned, 
you would have heard this before because, you know, being around him in these big fight weeks, you'll say, oh, well, what's next? And he'll go, well, I don't know. I might retire. As you said, kind of that extroverted character. I'm going to retire. I've got two more fights. I'm going to fight Derek Chisora again and I'm going to retire. Now, recently he came out and said that he doesn't want to retire and he wants to carry on fighting. Again, you take it with a pinch of salt because it's Tyson Fury. But who coming through and what fights would you like to see him in that would potentially test him in the coming years? Essentially, what what styles and what fighters would you give the best chance of beating him in the in that period of time? Oh, I I don't see anyone coming. I, I can't see anyone immediately coming through who would give him any real trouble. To be honest, I I, I can't. Like you said, Dubois with a good solid jab. The thing with Tyson, you have to take him out. You have to. Make him panic. Because cause he's a loose fighter, boxer, he likes to, and he, he, he has his hands lowish to move, then you have to get him, make him panic and make him do things that he doesn't want to do. Once he has time and he's in his rhythm, you have to get him out of that. So a solid jab is usually the key to that. Punches and pressure. But I don't see anyone with the, with the footwork of to stop him. That's, what I'm, that's the thing. I think... Joshua probably a better footwork than Dubois. So, you know, do you think that he would probably be able to cut the ring off better than him? But, again, as Joe Joyce, with strong lump, but does he have the movement? I, I, I can't see anyone immediately that springs to mind. People say maybe Ortiz when he swings his shots over the top. But, again, the foot with the feet, it's the, they all do with the feet. I think their feet are too slow. So, yeah, I don't. There's a couple of young kids coming up, and, and again, it's too early for them to say. So, I think the only thing that beats him is, for me, to be honest, it is lack of discipline and age. You know, I think the, you know, when you're a reflex fighter, you know, your reflexes will slow inevitably, and and not so much that you, you just your, your vision. It's just it's just a, a millisecond slower. And that can be the difference sometimes. You know, if your hands high come forward, that doesn't always matter too much because you're rolling into shots, you're blocking half the shots anyway. But if you're a guy who always needs to just make people miss by half an inch and just a little bit slower, then that half an inch becomes an inch and a half catching And that's enough to knock you out. So, yeah, I think just age and, and, and lack of motivation, I think, to be honest, because I think he's proved now to me that if he, if he can stay really focused... Which is not, which is, which is the hardest task, I think, for him. But if he can stay really focused, I think he can stay top of chief in a couple of years, or a few years, to be honest. He's still, for that, for that weight, he's relatively young. He's in good shape. I know he doesn't look all full of muscle, but you don't need to be full of muscle to be, to be fit. And, and you know, that's just aesthetically, that's just aesthetically pleasing. So yeah, I can't see anyone. I think he's, I think he's so good. And again, I wasn't. I wasn't a. Most, I wasn't a, a guy who ever thought Tyson Fury was going to get past domestic level. To be honest. So um, yeah, I never get it wrong. <laughs> except at the biggest, except at the biggest stage, you know, I get it dramatically wrong. Yeah, he's been a revelation. He has. He's been a revelation. He really has. He's been the. He's been the biggest surprise, and the best surprise for me in boxing for the last sort of ten years, for me. The way he's turned his life. And for, forget about what he does in the ring. It's the perception of him. People didn't like him. Let's be honest. He was arrogant. He was rude. He was funny. 
There's always someone at the end of his, at the butt of his joke. So he was intimidating people. He was a little bit arrogant. He was obviously had problems you know, with drinking and stuff like that and, and other stuff. So he was acting an idiot all the time. He was saying things he shouldn't say. He was too outlandish. And he showed the sport no respect. So for someone like me, who's the total opposite, I wasn't a fan. I could see he had talent, but I was never a real fan. So, so you know, most of the time, you almost want the other guy to win. But he's changed the whole perception of him. But Adley Joshua was the darling of boxing. And when he beat Klitschko, his speech after that fight was just as good as that brilliant performance. Told them about kids, oh, you should you know, you can, it's, you know, it's not about being the best, about trying and all the rest of it. I wanted to start fighting again. I wanted to go down the gym. I was inspired. It was, a, it was just a, what you want from a heavyweight champion of the world to say to kids, to people. It was just brilliant. And he was and he was the god. And all of a sudden, Tyson's gone from being like the, the lowest egg to being now. He, he's not the dad in the boxing. People love it. His story, the way he's turned his life around, the way he openly admits to his problems, the mental health thing, the helping people out. If all these things are true that he's never reading about him, then people know and inspired by him and living for that and, and that's so we've got two we've got two heavy champions in the world who are not just fantastic fighters but are fantastic role models and you can't get better than that final one final 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 one because there's one name that you didn't mention among all of that but you did mention footwork and foot speed Alexander Usyk at heavyweight now is that somebody you could see potentially posing a problem or is he too small but yeah, I, size is the worry for me because he's brilliant. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. He really is. And a lot of cruisers have come up ahead with real success, of course. Amanda Holyfield's still one of the best heavyweights of all time. And one of them. But he was an exception. I just think that Uzik is great and he makes you miss, but he blocks a lot of shots. He, puts me, he makes you... What, what Uzik does, his strength is he makes you work when you don't want to. And he, and, he, and, he, and, he reached, and then when you're running out of steam, then he goes to work. Like he did with Bellu. Bellu did a great performance like Bellu. He boxed, he boxed a guy who was much better than him and put in a fantastic performance. But he made Bellu work. When he did one, he makes you work hard, so you're knackered. Then he, go, then he puts it on you and stops you. I don't know if you can do that with these big guys. Yeah, better footwork, but he's not like Lomachenko. People, don't, people think that him and Lomachenko are the same. They're not the same. He's, he's moved better than most big guys. He doesn't move on the title as, as fluently as, as, as Lomachenko. He likes to stay there and block a lot of shots, to be honest. And he'll spin around the title, but he still uses his forearms as, as, as a real good weapon. So, can he do that against a guy who can punch through the guard? Can he, can, he, can, he, can he put that front foot in between the stance and make you panic when you're six foot nine and 19 stone? I don't know. You know that, that intimidation factor, that, you know, that ring generalship. Don't know if he could have the same effect, and I don't know. I'm not saying he can. I generally don't know. So until that point, until you see him against a real world class big heavyweight, then I think the Chisora fight is a gauge. I don't think Chisora is the tier, the top tier, to be honest. But it'll be a gauge for us. But I still think that that's also stylistically a good fight for Uzik to come in against a guy who just comes in straight lines, swings punches over the top. You can see him coming. So, yeah, but I don't, I don't think, I still fancy Joshua against Uzik. And I most definitely fancy Fury against Uzik right now. 
Okay. Back to my, back to my um, I got a just, a just giving page. Not for charity, for for me, like. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, man. Yeah, was, people have gone bad. He's just giving pays and just send me money, you know. And and then what I'll do then is you send me money and I'll spend it. <laughs> that was it. But Barry Jones doing his bit to save humanity during a global pandemic, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, Barry Jones, always a pleasure. Um, I do mean that. It is always a pleasure catching up with you. One of my very, very favourite people to speak to about this crazy old sport that we work in, or when it's about we work in it. Um, hopefully, <laughs> it won't be too long before I see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Air Jones. See you, mate. Take care, mate. <laughs> This is Rob Talbot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. It's been far too long since I've said this. I'm delighted to be joined today by Barry Jones, the smooth... I always call John Rawlin the smooth voice of boxing. You can be the smooth Welsh voice of boxing. How are you, Barry? <laughs> I'm all right, mate. Thanks. And yeah, yeah, nice to hear from you again. I guess you've exhausted all the top tier names in boxing. And so I, I know you're on like the B, C list, D list. Uh, yeah. I actually, um, I, I conducted my interviews during lockdown on height order, so um, it's just it's just oh, you I, and Spencer I, Oliver left. <laughs> we said we said yeah, Edward and Spencer Oliver. <laughs> How have you been, mate? Good. You, you know what? Like, like everyone else, it's been frustrating and a little bit tedious at times. So every day is the same. But because it's the same, but you know, apart from that, we're, we're healthy. My family's healthy, and, and I guess that's the that's the main thing. But Please, let's get back to some boxing. That's that would just be a dream come true. You take it for granted the job in general. No, you're involved in boxing. You sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to keep telling yourself what you do for a living. You're privileged, especially if you've grown up loving the sport. I'm sure you did, but I don't. I don't. I only speak for myself. I know I definitely did. So to be involved in a sport that I not only did but I loved anyway, you know, sometimes you take it. You just take it for granted. It just becomes a normal job, and things like this happening makes you realise how privileged you are, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's been a, a, something that I've kind of thought of. I mean, I haven't posted any tweets or anything talking about how, oh, this is terrible, I'm bored and stuff, because as you say, there are people out there who are in far worse situations than we are. But having said that, it is all relative to kind of where you are in your life and what you're doing. And for us, this has been, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like August, but magnified times 50, and it hasn't stopped. Yeah. It is, the exact word. It's like, usually August would be a bit of a, a nice little break, wouldn't it? Except for the money, you know, and then you don't get no money in your pocket, but you thought, like, that's okay, because September, October, we'll certainly, November, will certainly be packed out, so you make it up, but yeah, it's that. And obviously, like for everybody in this lockdown, it's, especially people who are self-employed, or, you know, you worry about your income, there is no income coming in, of course, and, and also people who are not self-employed, are worried that, you know, they're being furloughed, Will there be a job for when they go back? And I think that's the... See, so you sat at home doing nothing. Sounds nice. Sounds lovely. For two weeks. But, um, you know, for, for three months and then, again, not knowing when you're going to go back to work, it's a, it's a bit of a stress for everybody. But we're all in it together. 
and I guess that's that's a bit of a solitude on its own. I guess you know something you can build on. We're all in together, and, and we all understand how each other feels. And that's 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 quite a rare commodity nowadays. Yeah, we can sort of all sort of empathise with each other. And you're one of the the most enthusiastic people who I speak to, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. That's very much true. Um, <laughs> um, you, you said that on your last interview. Um, I heard it. <laughs> you, cer- you certainly didn't. Um, but basically what I'm getting with that is you strike me as the type of person who would absolutely hate this. Every time I see you around, I think the last time we would have seen each other would have been around Wilder Fury 2? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. You go from kind of such a, a, a massive high and that kind of fight week to where we are now. That that has been part of the thing that's been been quite troubling for me you go from literally the highest of highs to complete standstill how have you felt with that yeah that's the hardest bit because well, sometimes you'll do, you'll do like a purely wilder fight and then I'll be in Newcastle doing an NTK show now that seems like a massive come down but to me it's not mm. because like as much as I love the big fights and that's what we're all in it for you want to be involved in the biggest fights possible but those small leisure centre shows is where I learnt my trade so I have like a, a love for that. That's the grassroots. You're looking at kids thinking, will this kid be a, you know, will, will, will other people be talking about this kid in two years' time, 12 months, three years? We just found a little, and earthed a little gem here. So that's, that. I sort of love that equally as, as I do those Vegas trips. Not, not equally, not equally, because it's Las Vegas, you know. You can't compare Newcastle to Las Vegas, but. Although, they could party with the best of them, we've been past a lot, so I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Glenn McCrory might disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not scared of Glenn. <laughs> 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 uh, what have you been doing in, in lockdown? Have you been watching any fights, watching any fighters? Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's, been, it's, it's, it's horrible because you're not seeing live fights, but I think Sky and BT have done fantastic because BT have used... Uh, Oh, they'll show their old, their old fights, of course. Um, BT catalogue is not as extensive as, as Sky's catalogue, of course, because they don't go far that, back that far. But I think they've, they've had some of Warren's back catalogue, which have been quite good. And also, they've made some of the ESPN stuff, the classic fights. You know, like Ali and, you know, and, and, and against Foley, people like that. Every fight, you know, you almost forgot it happened, which has been really, really enjoyable to watch. And Sky have shown some things that, you know, like uh, Brody and, and Chin Chai and, you go, wow, man, you, know, you remember that fight. But then and you remember it being a great little fight and a good scrap. Then when you sit down watching it, it's different. You go, whoa, it's like watching it for the first time. So it's been, that's been quite enjoyable. But I've been overdosed with boxing as well a little bit. That's the thing, because I have too much time on your hands. And, uh, but I'm a basketball fan. So I've been, they've been showing the, the, like the NBA classics. So I've been watching quite a lot of that as well, which has been um, taking up my time. Barry, I, I, I don't mean to make a second hype joke, but you're not the type of bloke who I would have expected to be a huge NBA fan. That surprised me. Yeah, you know, there's um, Isaiah Thomas is 5'9", still taller than me. Nate Robinson's 5'8", I think, still taller than me. But, you know, so you can make it. So I'm, I, I'm probably past that threshold, you know, age-wise, that I'll be a basketball player. But I loved it. I loved basketball. It was, it was growing up, it was, it was probably more, especially in my sort of, up to about 14, I think basketball was, was a bigger love than boxing for me. I was better at boxing, 
I think, and, and obviously I picked the right sport. But if I could have been, if, if someone would have asked me at 14, do you want to be the best boxer in the world or the best basketball player in the world, I would have picked basketball. And, it, and I loved it. I love it. I love everything, I love everything about it because it's competitive. And because I wasn't nasty, and basketball, although basketball in the 90s, 80s and 90s was a bit more physical than it is now, it's ridiculous. I, I think you can get away with stuff nowadays. But you, know, you can't get away with anything, no fouls at all. But it's a bit more physical back then. But it, it's still not really, you know, it's still a respectful sport. You know, you get, you, you know, if you're disrespectful to the referee, you, know, you get a technical foul. But what we talk about basketball, I don't know, but I'm, this is it, this is it. But basketball social, this will be called, no, come on, thank you, thanks to me. Yeah, but basketball was a love of mine, and I was never going to be great at it, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. So, yeah, but, um, I was pretty good as a kid, I'll be honest. I picked boxing because you're fighting people your own size, that's pretty much what it was. It was the only sport where you had, the, 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 you know, you could be. You know, if you were small, it wasn't a disadvantage. That's the truth. Well, I, I quite like that we've come to that. We've, I, I feel like every possible lockdown angle has been exhausted. So if we're going to move on to basketball, that's absolutely fine by me. Have you watched the last round, uh, the last dance on Netflix? Yeah, I have. I've been, a little, I've loved it. I've loved it, and and but I've been a little bit like everyone's on. Everyone loves it now, yeah. and like I feel a bit like. Mentioned, and it's kind of how I was gonna I was gonna come on to boxing through that. You mentioned Naz and having that kind of that ego and that that really self driven motivation. Can that work against you as a fighter, or do you think that can only be a good thing? I think you have to be an eternal dreamer to be a boxer. First of all, because where most boxers start off at working class or below, to be honest, to be a world champion and to be and all the riches that that can potentially come with that. It's almost a surmountable task. How can you get from where I am now, living in a flat or you know on, on benefits or whatever it is, to become you know a rich, famous, you know, best of my, best in my field? It's almost impossible, and that's what that's the beauty of the sport in many ways. So you have to be a, a, a little bit of a dreamer, 
you have to have that self-belief where no one else will believe you. you know, when, you're, when you're young and you're saying, I'm going to be champion of the world, people will laugh at you. You have to believe it. But also, it can come crashing down on your ears. If you don't have some... I always thought, like, I was lucky because my, my parents, especially my father and my grandfather, made me keep my feet on the ground. So they, they encouraged me and they were fantastic. And they were big factors in my life. The success I had has been due down to them. But they would never let me get too carried away because the realization is that you, know, you just, if you think you're a god, and then turns out you're not, you can you can really fall off the rails and get depressed and all sorts. And you know, and, and not, you see a lot of kids who don't fight again when they get beat. How much did that professional? Because they were meant to be all time greats in their mind, and they couldn't get past domestic level. So, yeah, it's a risk with that that, that total tunnel vision of self belief. You need it. But it's a risk with it. There's a risk with that as well, I think, in many ways. But listen, it's the risk worth taking. But, you know, I think if you have a talent, and you have to believe in that talent. Yeah, and you have to bet on yourself. Otherwise, what's the point? As much as I always say a thing called, um, and trainers must hate me for it, but the fighter always makes the trainer. And, and it's, 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 it's a broad statement. So it could be, you know, a trainer's worth his weight in gold. It can be the difference between winning and losing a fight. You most certainly can. And a trainer and a cornerman can be two different things, Mark. A good trainer might not be, might be a rubbish cornerman. But, so, but sometimes you get the whole package and that can, that can be invaluable. But you can't polish a turd. You, know, you, you, you can't, you know, the boxer can only do what he can do to a certain extent. And you can help him, develop him, and you can, get, and you can, and you can have a game plan. But game plans are fluid because the other guy's out there trying to do his thing and that could work, work against your game and you need to have another plan. So game plans may be so, so flexible that almost they don't really work. So, so I think that the boxer always makes the trainer. So you have to believe in yourself. Now, you can't go blaming the trainer if you lose. And that's because if you do it your way, and, and you do it your way, but you almost have to also have to sort of contradict myself. But you, do it, you have to do it your way. But you also, when you pick a trainer, he has to be your boss. Even though you're paying him, he technically works for you. So if you don't do what you're told in the gym, in the gym, you have to believe what he's saying. So if you don't believe what he's saying, you need to go somewhere else. But you have to believe in it. You have to be otherwise. You can't train yourself. You can't tell. You can't tell your trainer when you have when you've done enough work. When you want to stop. Otherwise, you won't get fit enough, and you and you won't have that determination and that, that inner steel in a hard fight. You want to push through that that barrier to get to the next round or the next stage, which might make you the difference between winning and losing a fight. But at the source, at the same time, you have to you, know, you have to believe in your talent. You have to believe in yourself. You have to make sure that you're comfortable with the people around you who do what they, what anything for you and not for their own career. Because some trainers, as much as they want you to win, they want you, some of them, some not all, want you to win for them because they have ambition. And there's nothing wrong with that. They have an ambition. They want to be a trainer. They want to um, advertise themselves to more fighters where they can get more money. So they're living for them too. So you have to be aware of that. As well, like, as much as a trainer wants you, wants you to win and wants to be successful, it's, it, it's not always just for you. And why should it be? So it becomes a weird thing because then you, you literally have a load of people just out there out for themselves, but everyone really patting you on the back saying, no, We're all for you, we're all, all for you. This makes you sound cynical, it's not really, but you have to, people have ambitions, you have to make sure that, that pretty much you have to make sure your trainer's ambition 
doesn't come before you know. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. It's an interesting... In- no way answers your question. I've got a different trajectory here, but there you go. That's absolutely fine. We we've been talking about basketball for the last ten minutes. We're fine. We don't need we don't need a, a, a strict schedule. Um, it's an interesting point that you make, and I, I think you may know where I'm going to go with this. But a good example or a striking example of two separate game plans in two big fights: Wilder Fury One, Wilder Fury Two. You have two completely different training setups, two completely different game plans. Is that what we saw in those two fights? You do. So so see Ben Davison, nice fella. Did a fantastic job with Tyson, the way, the way Tyson was. You can't take so much credit because Tyson was a world-class athlete before he met him. But the, no one mentions Peter Fury anymore. Like, Peter Fury never existed. Like, the, the performance, the, the, the win against Klitschko, it's still his best win. Not his best performance. best performance was his last fight. But his best win... Was to go to Germany against Klitschko, who was still on top, who was still on top at the time, still wasn't wasn't on the way down, and he beat him in a horrible, stinky, boring, whatever fight you want to call it. But his tactically was perfect. He did the right thing to win a world title away from home with all the odds against. Him. The Fury gets credit for that. No, we forgot about him. Then Ben Davis was the savior, and Ben did a great job with him. And I think. Well, star-wise, I think for the, the first fight, I think Tyson boxed the right fight. But then the second, but then so so Ben gets all the praise for that, and, and good luck to him. So he should in many ways. But still, Tyson is, is the talent. Tyson's the one who's really doing it. So really, all the praise should go to him. Because then in the next fight, the second fight, a totally different, totally different style, totally different approach to the fight. Which I wouldn't have, I would have said go the same way as Ben Davis did the first fight, just be a little bit more. Could you be a little bit fitter? Could you do more rounds and just be, of course, you don't get caught later on in the fight. But it was a better performance. So does that mean now Ben Davison's not the good trainer anymore? No, he's not. He's not the the messiah that everyone was saying he was. Because theoretically, Tyson was better with Sugar Hill. It was a better performance, a better outcome, and he and he got more, more accolades for it. No, it doesn't mean Ben's a bad trainer. It still means Ben's a good trainer. And then we'll go on to full success because you've got Josh Taylor, who's a massive talent. So he cannot be successful with Josh Taylor in the corner. He's training Billy Joe Saunders, who's a huge talent. Unless Billy Joe goes in against Canelo, then he's going in with a winning fighter straight away. So and, and he and he deserves all that. He puts the work in, and, and, and I think he, and I like the way he approaches fights and his understanding technically and, and tactically is quite is something that I find quite impressive. But still. You give him a rubbish fighter, what does he do with him? You know, it's not that's not his fault. You know, he was getting slagged off against when Billy Joe boxed that Akamov in Paisley. You know, he was getting slagged off by everybody. Who's this kid? What's Billy Joe doing with him? He's rubbish. Look at Billy. Billy and Billy was terrible that night. And Ben got the blame. That's not Ben's fault. It's Billy's fault. For one using an inexperienced trainer, probably for financial reasons, probably paid him less. And what, but what they didn't realise is that gave Ben loads of experience, a horrible experience, but loads of experience that he, that, he, that he used and he harnessed to make him a better trainer down the line. So, you know, again, I go back to the point where not slagging trainers off, they're worth their weight in gold, but you're only as good as the fighter you have. And that's the truth. That is the truth. Because if, if, if 
because I don't care who was training Tyson Fury, no, no, Tyson Fury is Tyson Fury. I could train him. No, you get a Brendan Ingle. He, he had, he had those kids from schoolboys. I didn't like the way Enzo, Mac- Enzo Kazaki trained. I don't think Enzo Kazaki could have done much with me. But look who he produced. Three world champions from scratch. From scratch. Certainly two. I, I'm not sure where Nathan Kelly done a few boxing all throughout his amateur career. But, but Joe from day one. And, get, and that's his son. But Gavin Reese is not from, day, from scratch. From, so he had from schoolboys at the seat of, of the thing. So when, when people go to these trainers, if you're going to go, oh, who had him first? He did this, he did that. But then who's taking the credit? Well, why, why, why not the amateur trainers getting all the credit? For it? They're the ones who taught him the basics, who taught him from, from the offset. Rob McCracken, another one. You know, he, 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 he don't get enough credit. To be honest, he don't get enough credit. He, he, he didn't train from the amateur, from the schoolboy days, but he had them from in the, in the Saturday Sheffield. There was Carl Frotch and, and Aunt Joshua. And he's a calm voice in the corner. And they trust him. And that's the, that's the important part of being a trainer-boxer relationship. As much as all the technical stuff, and anyone can get you fit. But, and then in this day and age, boxers have enough knowledge to get themselves fit anyway. But the trust between the two, now that guy in the corner, is tell, what he tells you, you have to believe. And if you believe it, then it's right, and it's right, then it, it'll work for you. And I think, jo, I think Ron McCracken has that with Frotch, which definitely with Frotch. One of, the, one of the great partnerships of British boxing, I think, them two. And, and also with Joshua, because Joshua, Joshua didn't listen maybe in the, in the first Ruiz fight, in the second Ruiz fight, he listened to everything. And that was, that was what was impressive more than anything. Joshua in that second fight was that. Was, is, he didn't have the, the lack of arrogance that he would still, as much as a superstar as he is, he was still, he was listened like he was, like he was a novice amateur. And that, and that and that's what you want as a coach from your from your guys to listen to you in the corner and do whatever you tell him. The, the faith that he has in you, I think if you, if you get that bond, then I think that's the perfect fit. Just going back to Fury, I mean, you make some some good points with the different trainers he's had for the different fights and kind of the different styles that he's had to implement in all of those fights. You look at the win against Vladimir Klitschko and particularly the most recent performance against Deontay Wilder. They are polar opposites. We've spoken about trainers, but as you mentioned, you know, a trainer's only as good as the fighter. What does that say about Tyson Fury, the versatility, being able to do that against Vladimir Klitschko and that against Deontay Wilder? It makes him a potential great. I say potential great because I think there's still things he has to do to get over that line. I said this to you, I think. I think it should be, I mean, I actually said that to you the, the last time we spoke. At the, I think it was the, the press of the way in on the press conference. I think with the last time we spoke on camera was... Before Fury Wallin. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah, because I think he had had the boxer. Yeah. The and I think potential he has potential to be a great and it, and it is his versatility. To change to adapt styles and and, and have the confidence to do that and you know I, I think that makes you a great. But I didn't think Tyson Fury was gonna be even more class, to be honest, when he turned pro. I didn't. I seen him as a, a big fella who listen, they can all punch, but he didn't seem like he had a that Cussive power that maybe you needed that weight certainly at the, at the highest level, and he gave you too many opportunities because he's a because he's so um, unorthodox. He's a he's a pure boxer, but he makes so many mistakes. Gives you so many opportunities to, to, to catch him, and that's part of his makeup. He wants to you know, rather than faint, 
though you'll say how he faints lovely now, will drop his hands in range and give you a, give you a chance to hit him. And I, and I thought, he, and he got clipped a few times early in his career. And I just thought that at the higher level, those clips, you're not going to get up from. You're just not going to get up from him. And I just think that all that, I just didn't see him. I thought you don't, as domestically, those do well. And European level, he might box for a world title, maybe at the stretch. But I didn't see him being anywhere where he is now. But I think his, his mental toughness, especially, and also his, his versatility and just his boxing brain. I think he, he can adapt. And that adaptability is something that you can't really teach, really. You either have it. You can tell someone to do something different, but it's very hard to change the pattern of the fight. It really is. It's very hard to take. Kazak did it with Kester in, in, in the fight. And, you know, at, at that level, it's, it's very difficult to do. And fighters who can do that, and fighters who can change tactics totally. And, yeah. Because then, then you can't train. You can't. You find it hard to train for them. You, 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 when you, you go to box tight security, you're thinking, I've got to put educated pressure on them. I've got to cut the ring off. You know, I've got to draw that, 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 that jab with his and get the right hand on the top. I've got to get him closer to the I've got to work, push him on the back ropes. I've got to make him work hard. All these things make him uncomfortable to lots of punches because he moves his head a lot. So he hit the body a lot. And, and then he comes at you the next fight. It blows your mind. What do I do now? You know, and he smothers your work and makes you, and makes you on the, puts you moving backwards so you can't get the weight on your back with the push off with the power. You wouldn't bet a penny on him doing that. He was telling us he was going to do it. But, you know, you just think that's just a ruse, you know, just to try and you know, get them thinking, oh, he's going to do something different. But he sort of double bluffed, really, didn't he? He certainly did. He double double bluffed big. Um, when was when was the first time that you you mentioned you didn't expect him to be a world class heavyweight, maybe kind of fringe European level? When was the first time that you thought, okay, Tyson Fury maybe could do something on the world level? Was it was it right up to that first the Vladimir Klitschko fight, or was it something before Chisora rematch, maybe? Yeah, Chisora rematch was pretty good. I thought that was very impressive. But he was good because the size alone, but. That that critical. I think the critical one for me because I thought I didn't. I didn't give a chance in hell. I didn't. I mean, I didn't think he would. I, 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 I got no chance. Not again. You know, the guy who's, who's, who's strong, lovely, a real good jab. You know, and does and keeps his shape well. I thought that's you know struggle with that because he tries to wants to make you wants to make you untidy. So you know you make all these stupid movements, do all these silly things, trying to ruffle your feathers. And I just, I just didn't see it working with Chris. I thought he'd just be very, like, just hands high. Everything's be on a solid jab, and that jab with Chris was really hard. So every time Tyson would do something silly, he'd just jab into the chest. That's what, that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought Tyson would unravel well out of steam and go stop late. And, it, and, and I, I, thankfully and happily, I was wrong. Like, yeah. and that was the, that was probably where I thought, you know what, it wasn't a good fight to watch. But he, he did everything right. Did everything right to be the guy who seemed to be unbeatable. Now, was still one of the best wins for a British boxer. It really is not not knowing the best performance. They're two different things, but one of the best wins for a British boxer abroad. Still, not the best, but one of them for sure. Now, you were as close as could be to both the first Wilder fight and the second Wilder fight. Now, it seems like it's a very easy blanket terminology to say, "Oh well, Fury." He boxed in the first fight and in the second fight was more aggressive. But you have a keener eye than that, Mr. Jones. 
So how soon into the fight did you notice differences between Fury's first performance and his second performance, other, outside of the fact that he was coming forward, so to speak? Um, the weight in the shots. So the first fight, I think, he's sort of pulling, he's throwing the jab, but there's a, there's a lack of confidence in it. So, I mean, it's a different use of the jab, not lack of confidence. It, he's throwing it to keep your weight. But in the first fight, he's throwing punches to push you back. And there's, so there's a huge difference there. They're putting, the, putting that weight, pushing off the back foot, they're using that front foot, just turning that front foot a little bit, get a bit more purchase on the shot. So there was just the intent in his work on, from the offset was different. And it was still, no, no he boxed fantastic the first round. You still thought, well, it was going to come to life here. It was one of those where you sat there and you know you're watching something that you're going to go, wow. I'm glad I was here because this is going to be talked about for a long time. Now, it, I'm an older man than most people involved in boxing now, unfortunately. <laughs> and so I'm always Donald Curry versus no, Stacy versus Napoli was one of the best wins for the British boxing world. And probably the best win. And so Lloyd Cunningham for me with Donald Curry because Donald Curry, Napoli was an all time great welterweight, by the way. But he made me just at the end of his career, he just got beat by Mons on the middleweight, just come down and Stacy will beat him on cuts in a bull ring, mind this one in Mexico. That's not oh, Obviously, Napoli was a Cuban, but he was based in Mexico, Mexico, Mexican hero, really. Mantecchia. One of his own. But, but he's, he, I still thought maybe just the time was right there, because I think Napoli was just the end of his career. But Curry and Hunnigan, Hunnigan just went over there, really. It was just a good experience for him. He boxes the pound for pound best fighter on the planet, and he got no chance in hell. And, he, and, and we, all, we, we all found out what the problems Curry had after now. But at the time, we didn't know all those problems that Curry had. So we go, wow, it was just unbelievable. He just blitzed him. So come old, I can't look past that of being the best win and the best performance by a British boxer, especially in America, it, 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 abroad, ever. But that performance with Fury against Wilder, the performance itself was just a, a, one of the best. You could argue, I don't think it was the best, but it was one of the best. So top three performance in America on the British fighter, most definitely. Probably top two. Him and Curry will argue it out for that. It was the performance was full it was flawless. And Curry was so unexpected. Like the like the Hernigan win against Curry, it was so unexpected. You just didn't you just didn't see him winning that you know, I thought he was gonna win I thought he was gonna win this rematch. But I thought it'd be a mirror image of the first fight. Where he has to get off the floor to win, but I think the judges would have been a little, little bit more um, correct and scored most of those rounds to feel that like they should have in the first fight. But he did everything that I didn't think he could do, and, and that's why it was, it was just a you knew you were seeing something great. What about Deontay Wilder? Obviously, the aftermath of the fight was surrounded by various excuses of varying different degrees of sanity, shall we say. Um, what did you make of his performance? How soon did you, or maybe you didn't think that there was anything different from him and it was all fury? What was your thought on Deontay Wilder? Well, he was the one that allowed him to the fight. And, and the thing is, he's never had, he's been clipped a few times, he's been hurt and he's been hit. And what Wilder is, he's brave. He doesn't get no, no credit for being brave, he's brave. When he gets hit and he fires, I mean, no, it's literally, he's dangerous to the end. He really is. But he couldn't get his punches off. So fighters have gone at fighters have gone at, at Wilder and they and they've been caught coming forward. 
because Tyson's more intelligent than some of these fighters, he didn't just go at him. He put pressure on him. It's different. Golovkin does it. He doesn't go at you. He puts pressure on you. So that front foot makes you panic and makes you back up. He's never really jumping all over you. But then he's always a little slide away from, from being in distance and cracking you. That's what Fury did. Or those little feints, a little double feints, little feints all the time. Just, you know, just moving the hands constantly while they couldn't set himself. So while they didn't have a chance to do anything. And and also, I think they're back, the, the, the mayhem in his corner, the lack of faith that we spoke earlier in his trainer meant that he wouldn't really listen to instructions and too many voices and everyone you know, trying to blame everyone else for it. And, and the fact is, he's technically poor. I mean, he could be better. You watch him, he's, he's an athlete. That's what he is. He's, only, he's not a boxer, he's an athlete. You could make him decent at most sports. Basketball, my sport. He, he, he'd probably be decent at that. Because he's, like, well, he's athletic. He, he, he has that sort of frame. He's, he's slim and, and, and he's got and he's, you know, long limbs. So that's where he gets the power from. But I don't think he's really worked on his, on his, on his basics. And it's, it's hard to say that because he won a medal in the Olympics. But again, at that weight, it's down to power. You can't, be, you can't be technically poor at any other weight except heavy, a super, a super heavy uh, with, uh, at, the Olymp- at the amateurs and heavyweights in the pros. You can be technically poor and still be very, very good because the power. At any other weight, you can't have that. Any other weight, you can't have it. And, and that's sort of like a, you know, a, a good thing and a bad thing for these guys because you know, the more power, and that's why everyone loves the heavyweights because when they hit you, it, 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 it's terrifying at times. But yeah, he hasn't really worked. The power's always got him through, always got him out of trouble. So they just go, why fix what's, what, if it's not, if it's not wrong, unless it's broke, why does he need to work on bad stuff? And I think that's, uh, again, not, but not having faith to Mark Breeder was a beautiful boxer. And he was tall for six foot, six foot, six foot, well, welterweight, and a beautiful jab, who was, was the, one of the best amateurs ever. Forget, forget about one of the best American amateurs, one of the best amateurs ever. So, an Olympic gold medalist and, and a world champion of welterweight. Actually, beat Lloyd Tunnigan over here as well in, in the UK. He was brilliant. So, you think he'd be perfect fit for a while then? And so, I think, why, did, why haven't he taught him the jab? Why haven't he taught him how to box properly, how to protect himself, how to do the movements, how to set ta- attacks up? No faith in him, no confidence, lack of respect. And I think that's, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that, that wasn't part of the downfall, but I think that. That didn't help. Because then you go back to the corner and things are not working. You need a calm voice. You need a, a voice of knowledge. You need someone to tell you something. Because most of the time, you go back to the corner, you trains tell you If you know what you're doing, you only listen. That's the truth. You only listen. Because you, know you know what you're doing. If it comes to what you're winning, you don't need advice. You're thinking about what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? When, you, when, you get, when, you, when you're losing... You're going to be hurt, and I've been there in my last fight. You go know, back the corner, you put down twice, you know, and you, and you don't know what's happened because the power is so hard. You, you're just like, what, What's going on here? And you want your corner to tell you what's going on. You want your corner to go, Oh, go knock him out. Go knock him out. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I don't think he had any sound advice. Yeah. But that was up at the end. You got to, it's all down the fury. Fury did. Fury put the pressure on him. He made him doubt himself. And I think he didn't swallow it as such. 
but he felt sorry for himself and felt sorry for himself very quickly. You mentioned that and, and kind of feeling sorry for himself. I mean, I think there was a moment in, I think it was the fourth or the fifth round where Tyson hit him with a right hook to the body and moved him halfway across the ring. And there was this kind of look in Deontay Wilder's eyes that had not grown accustomed to seeing from a from a world champion. It, it was that shock factor. Considering how one-sided the fight was, are you surprised that he's going to jump into the rematch, albeit when boxing does return? Yeah, I am. Um, you can look at it two ways. You know, he has courage. He has ball. He wants to fight him again. You know, he can't take the loss. You know, and I understand that. But you also tend to think is where he gets the most money. Because you know, if he wants to fight Joshua now, Joshua will fight him. But he goes in not not with a not with a begging bowl. But he doesn't go with the same the same crowd that he had prior to the, the second Fury fight. So I think that, that's the thing. If he, if he can beat Fury, and this he can always beat Fury, you know, he can knock anyone out. So he's all, as long as he's in the ring, he always has a chance with the power that he has. But it's not a fight that I would rush to see. I think, I, I think it'd be a good fight again because I think Fury would do a, a, a similar sort of job. So, and it's quite entertaining. For a one-sided fight, it was quite entertaining. If you're a Fury fan, if you're a Wilder fight, then you want to see it, of course. And, and, uh, and there's better fights to watch. That's why it was on about Fury and Wilder, like Fury and, and Joshua, because that seems to be the better fight, to be honest. And that's what you want to see. So I don't, I understand why he wants it, because that fight puts him right back you know, in, in, the, in, the, in a strong bag in a position for, the, for the, the Joshua fight. Or another Fury fight, even. You know, that, that would be a possibility. If you could knock a big Fury or knock him out, then... We'd want to see another one again, wouldn't we? We'd have to then, because you want to see who comes out on top. Then I'd rather see another fight than see Fury and him again. But I'd rather see, I want to see Joshua. And you can build that fight up, and I understand that I don't know the business as well as promoters and managers, of course, but not involved in that. But as a boxing fan, I want to see it now before it's too late. Because as, as good as, as Fury is, and uh, as, as I was turning his life around, which has been the, be the biggest story than anything he's done in the ring, let's be honest. He's still not sure how he is. Because he's, he's an extrovert. He's that sort of character. So you just don't know where he's going to go. He might generally just go and generally do that WWE stuff and go, I can get paid 5 million for doing this, 10 million for doing this, or 15 million for genuinely fighting, or 10 million for pretend fighting. Well, I, I pretend fight all day long. Saying that, I did genuinely pretend fight when I was boxing, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So you don't know where he might. He might just go out and have enough. I've cemented my legacy now, and I move on. Or who knows? Or one of them gets beat. Because look at the, look at the, the was it the Wilding fight he was terrible in? Hmm. And then you know it just you know he gets cut in a fight, and something happens, and he gets stopped, or Joshua gets knocked out, or. Dillian, Dillian White gets a shot at one of them, you know, in 2054 or something like that, you know, and, and, and he gets the win and he, and he mixes it all up. And so, this Della meet now, that's a huge fight. And it would be, I think because it's lockdown stuff and this, and this COVID-19 thing has happened, we'd probably have to wait till maybe next year, the year after now. But it's a shame, really, because I think that would have been great for British boxing. Whoever wins, whoever you want to win, it doesn't, you know, it's a great appetite, the two best heavyweights in the world 
without argument, let's be honest, are both from Britain and could fight each other. You would never, not in my lifetime, never. We've had all British title fights, we've got world title fights, but we haven't in Cardiff, we've Lennox Lewis and Frank Bruno. But, and Bruno did really well, but Lennox must have been an overwhelming favourite. So it didn't seem like, you know, but this one now, you can, you can surely we're going a favourite. But it was only like before, no, it was only like a year ago where you know, probably Joshua was the favourite, you know, two years ago. And, and you can still see what Joshua could beat him. So you know, it, it's, a, it's a fight that I think would be exciting. What kind of difficult, uh, different rather stylistic issues do you see Tyson Fury having to face against Anthony Joshua that he hasn't faced against Deontay Wilder? Um, Josh is more versatile that he proved that kind of the way he adapted in the second fight against Ruiz so he, can, he can't box like that against Joshua well, saying, I said Fury couldn't box the way he did against Fury against Wilder the second time that he did so you never know but you tend to think that Joshua can outbox box Fury that's pretty much a given you would thought but he's cleaner with his work where Wilder has more I think concussive shots I think Joshua is probably heavier-handed, more weight behind his punches. Not heavy-handed, more weight behind, so he can probably push you back. But Joshua punches inside his shoulder, inside his body frame. So he has, so he moves his shoulders and his hips correctly when he throws punches. Where Wilder, he brings his elbows up and he swings from, and he uses that athleticism and that massive reach wingspan he has to generate the power. Where Joshua throws direct and pushes right through. So where Fury would maybe come in and make a bit of a mistake and square his feet at times, they're the sort of shots I will, I will put him on his backside or make him have to rethink his, his, his strategy. So that, that that's where he causes more problems. But And Josh is another one who's a bit like Wilder where I know he panicked in the, in the, he panicked in the Ruiz fight and he did panic and that's the one. But... Before that, he was another guy who was brave. He was fire when he was hurt. He did it in a white fight, for example. You know, he, he, was, he gets clipped, but he wants to fire back. So again, that's, there's, always, there's always a worry there. And he's an athlete. He's a supreme athlete. And he'll be diligent in his work. And he'll do everything that's asked of him. And, and he won't freeze, because he's been a massive... He's been on the bigger stage, as, as has Joshua, as has Fury as well. We've both been on such big stages now that the Fury will never freeze, but he's, a little, he's not a little sick. He's just an extrovert, isn't he? so he loves the more drama, the better for him. But for Joshua, he's, you know, I don't think he's quite like that, but I think he's been such at a high level now that nothing would phase him. And anything that, jo- anything that Fury did in the press conferences, I don't think that would affect him anymore. Well, it might have a few years ago, five, six years ago maybe, but not now. So I think there's, there's, there's a lot of different things that Fury will overcome, but I find it difficult to see past a Fury win unless he makes mistakes. That's where I think. I think he, for me, he has to make mistakes for Joshua to capitalize on, rather than Joshua forcing mistakes. Does that make sense? Mm. In other fights, you think, oh, you could force him to do something wrong. I can't see Fury forcing him. I think you put pressure on him, but I just can't. Unless Joshua gets Fury, got to get overconfident and make a silly mistake. But and then Joshua has to be ready, and that's that's so he has to be patient with his work but always putting pressure on. And I think, look back at the 80s heavyweights where they used to jab to the body and hit you on the shoulders and keep you off balance and make you feel the weight. I think that's 
bit more tactic for him rather than trying to get on his toes like against your knees or just rushing it in like a lunatic and going for goal, going for goals and he have the power to knock him out, which he has, but he would leave himself, you know, massively exposed. One thought that I did want to ask you about, uh, Uncle Frank was uh, doing his thing of saying some things that caught, caught the eye of one of two people. He said Daniel Dubois, he would be happy to see Daniel Dubois versus Deontay Wilder at the end of the year. Do you think that's Frank being Frank, or do you think that's realistic? Uh, do you know what? Frank's, Frank's a funny character, Frank, because like all promoters, they'll say, they, they build their fighting up to the max, and they'll say some outlandish things for people like Campbell. You, you'll say that today, then if he shows it with someone else, you'll, you'll sag him off. But when Frank believes in a fighter, like he did Joe Kazagi, no one wanted to touch him. To come back, I'm regressing, but yeah, come back to Joe Kazagi, nobody wanted to touch him. I mean, TV companies, I already love Joe Kazagi with all my heart. But no one wanted to touch him. Couldn't sell a ticket. He did some scrappy fights. And Frank was rambling on people's thoughts. ITV didn't want him. Listen, this kid's going to be a star. He, when he believes in you, you know, he knows this, he knows the business. I don't know. Technically, he knows the business, but as good as better than anyone. So once he believes in you, and he, like I think he does Dubois, he believes in Dubois. Like he, I almost blindly believes in him. I think it's not. I don't think it's a, it's a promotional stunt or publicity stunt. I think he genuinely believes that I got the next star here, and I think he would chuck him in. I think it's a, the thing with Dubois it's, again. It's like a little bit like Anthony Yaz when he got to Kovalev. You were, you would you want to see some questions answered before he got in that battle. And the Joe Joyce fight would have been like that. A guy, that was when you hit a guy, he doesn't really fall over. Or well, when you get clipped. Like we've seen Dubai get caught. Was it Richard Larty, maybe? Yeah, Richard Larty hit him, they'll punch him together, yeah. Yeah, you know, but, and he took it quite well. But you want to see like a genuine guy who has a bit of class and real potential world class of him. Are you, are you, are you caught with that? And then, listen, they, they believe in him. I, I, and what do you wait wrong forever? I don't know. I don't know. The problem is he, he's only young. He can't hold fighters back nowadays. Like years ago, you could, feed, you could feed him 35 you know, Mexican road sweepers and no one would know any different. But now, with the internet and, and YouTube and things like your, your, your platforms, we all, we all have boxing fans and a better knowledge. So promoters can't get away with the stuff they would before. For good and for bad, sometimes it, 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 it doesn't benefit the fighters that they have to have, you know, hard fights all the time. But it's hard, it's hard to get away with it now. So he's, whatever young he is, he's gone to this level now. Joe Joe was a real hard fight. It was a real hard fight, by the way. It, that fight's crazy because I picked Dubois, you know, to win. It just all happened. And I, no, at the time, I, I think Dubois, but Joe Joe's just a little bit so menaced. And really, should have been a gold medalist, mm-hmm. let's be honest. I can't remember the last time two British boxers have boxed and you've gone against the gold medalist. You've gone against the, 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 Olympic, the Olympic star and you've gone against him you know, early in their careers. Even Groves, even Groves and DeGale. You know, like, everyone fancy DeGale, I think, mainly. And they're not, unless you're a Groves, massive Groves fan. You just thought maybe DeGale, even though Groves had beat him twice, you thought maybe Dino was just a bit more speed and movement and you know, just and you should be with fancy. So like, I think it, you know, it's crazy that you just don't like fancy Dubai over the guy who really 
boxing a higher Joseph's boxing a better higher level as a professional by far let's be honest and as an amateur by far it's almost like on paper it's almost a mismatch really but then somehow you still fancy to do well and that, that maybe shows that people can see that quality that he has you know, that, that little bit of special talent that he might have so yeah I think Dubai I think for me 12 months to, to walk to box um, Wilder maybe a bit too soon I to be honest I think that's a bigger risk but again once Frank has a belief in you I think he just he, he, he chucks everything that he has all his faith in you and yeah he barely, you know, at the highest level he barely, he barely, barely gets it wrong to be honest Okay, just before I let you go, um, sorry, you froze up a little bit there. Just before I let you go, um, kind of in keeping with the heavyweight bits and pieces, Tyson Fury, um, he mentioned, you would have heard this before because, you know, being around him in these big fight weeks, you'll say, oh, well, what's next? And he'll go, well, I don't know. I might retire. As you said, kind of that extroverted character. I'm going to retire. I've got two more fights. I'm going to fight Derek Chisora again and I'm going to retire. Now, recently he came out and said that he doesn't want to retire and he wants to carry on fighting. Again, you take it with a pinch of salt because it's Tyson Fury. But who coming through and what fights would you like to see him in that would potentially test him in the coming years? Essentially, what what styles and what fighters would you give the best chance of beating him in the in that period of time? <sighs> I I don't see anyone coming. I, I can't see anyone immediately coming through who would give him any real trouble. To be honest, I I, I can't. I used to do well with a good solid jab. The thing with Tyson, you have to take him out. You have to. Make him panic. Cause, cause he's a loose fighter, boxer. He likes to, and he, he, he has his hands lowish to move. Then you have to then make him panic and make him do things that he doesn't want to do. Once he has time and he's in his rhythm, you have to get him out of that. So a solid jab is usually the key to that. Head punches and pressure. But I don't see anyone with the, with the footwork of the left to stop him. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing. I think. Joshua probably a better footer than Dubois. So, you know, do you think that he would probably be able to cut the ring off better than him? But, again, as Joe Joyce, big strong lump, but does he have the movement? I, I, I can't see anyone immediately that springs to mind. People say maybe Ortiz when he swings his shots over the top. But, again, the foot with the feet, it's the, all doing the feet, I think their feet are too slow. So, yeah, I don't. There's a couple of young kids coming up, and, and again, there's too early for them to say. So, I think the only thing that beats him is, for me, to be honest, is lack of discipline and age. So, you know, I think the, you know, when you're a reflex fighter, you know, your reflexes will slow inevitably, and and not so much that you just, just your, your vision. It's just it's just a, a millisecond slower. And that can be the difference sometimes. You know, if your hands high come forward, that doesn't always matter too much because you're rolling into shots, you're blocking half the shots anyway. But if you're a guy who always needs to just make people miss by half an inch and just a little bit slower, then that half an inch becomes an inch and a half catching you. And that's enough to knock you out. So, yeah, I think just age and, and, and lack of motivation, I think, to be honest, because I think he's proved now to me that if he, if he, if he can stay really focused... Which is not, which is, which is the hardest task, I think, for him. But if you can stay really focused, 
I think you can see top of truth in a couple of years, a few years, to be honest. He's still, for that, for that weight, he's relatively young. He's in good shape. I know he doesn't look all full of muscle, but you don't need to be full of muscle to be to be fit. And, and you know, that's just aesthetically, that's just aesthetically pleasing. So yeah, I can't see anyone. I think he's, I think he's so good. And again, I wasn't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a guy who ever thought Tyson Fury was going to get past domestic level. To be honest. So um, yeah, I never get it wrong. <laughs> except at the biggest, except at the biggest stage, you know, I get it dramatically wrong. He's been a revelation. He has. He's been a revelation. He really has. He's been the. He's been the biggest surprise, and the best surprise for me in boxing for the last sort of ten years. For me, the way he's turned his life, and for forget about what he does in the ring, is the perception of him. People didn't like him. To be honest, he was arrogant. He was rude. He was funny. But there's always someone at the end of his uh, butt of his joke. So he was he humiliated people. He was a little bit arrogant. He was obviously had problems, you know, with drinking and stuff like that and, and other stuff. So he was acting an idiot all the time. He was saying things he shouldn't say. He was all too outlandish, and he showed the sport no respect. So for someone like me, who was the total opposite, I wasn't a fan. I could see he had talent, but I was never a real fan. So so you know, most of the time, you'd almost want the other guy to win, but. You've changed the whole perception of him. Anthony Joshua was the darling of boxing. And when he beat Klitschko, his speech after that fight was just as good as that brilliant performance. Told them about kids, oh, you should know, you can, you can, it's, you know, it's not about being the best, about trying and all the rest of it. I wanted to start fighting again. I wanted to go down the gym. I was inspired. It was, it was just a, what you want from a heavyweight champion of the world to say to kids, to people. It was just brilliant. And he was, and he was the god. And all of a sudden, Tyson's gone from being like the, the lowest egg to being now. He, he's not the dad in the boxing. People love it. His story, the way he's turned his life around, the way he openly admits most problems, the mental health thing, the helping people out. If all these things are true that, he, that, that we're reading about him, then people now are inspired by him and love him for that. And, and that's, so we've got, two, we've got two heavy champions in the world who are not just fantastic fighters, what a fantastic role model. You can't get better than that. Final one, final, final, final one, because there's one name that you didn't mention among all of that, but you did mention footwork and foot speed. Alexander Usyk at heavyweight. Now, is that somebody you could see potentially posing a problem, or is he too small? Yeah, I, size is the word for me, because he's brilliant. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. He really is. And a lot of cruisers are currently behaving in success, of course. Amanda Holyfield's still one of the best heavyweights of all time. And one of them. But he was an exception. I just think that Uzik is great and he makes you miss, but he blocks a lot of shots. He makes you... What Uzik does, his strength is he makes you work when you don't want it. And, 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 he makes, and then when you're running out of steam, then he goes to work. Like he did with Bellu. Bellu did a great performance like Bellu. He boxed, he boxed a guy who was much better than him and put in a fantastic performance. But he made Bellu work. When he did one, he made you work hard so he had knackered. Then he, got, then he puts it on you and stops you. I don't know if you can do that with these, with these big guys. They have better footwork, but he's not like Lomachenko. People, don't, people think that oh, him and Lomachenko are the same. They're not the same. He's, he's moved better than most big guys, but he doesn't move on the tag as, as fluently as, as, as Lomachenko. He likes to stay there and 
and block a lot of shots, to be honest. And he'll spin around the target, but he still uses his forehand as, as, as a real good weapon. So, can he do that against a guy who can punch through the guard? Can he, can he, can he, can he put that front foot in between the stance and make you panic when you're six foot nine and 19 stone? I don't know. You know that, that intimidation factor, that, you know, that ring generalship, I don't know if he could have the same effect. And I don't know. I'm not saying he can't. I generally don't know. So, until that point, until you see him against a real world class big heavyweight, then the, I think the Chisora fight is a gauge. I don't think Chisora is the tier, the top tier, to be honest. But it has to be a gauge for us. But I still think that that's also stylistically a good fight for Uzik to come in against a guy who just comes in straight lines, swings, punches over the top, and you can see him coming. So, yeah, but I don't, I don't think, I still fancy Joshua against Uzik. And I most definitely fancy Fury against Uzik right now. Yeah, that's it, really. Okay. Back to my, back to my um, I've got a Just Giving page. Not for charity, for, for me, like. <laughs> that was it, man. Yeah, it's, it's, people have gone bad, it's Just Giving page, and just send me money, you know, and, and then what I'll do then is you send me money, and I'll spend it. <laughs> that was it. Barry Jones doing his bit to save humanity during a global pandemic right there. <laughs> okay, well, Barry Jones, always a pleasure. Um, I do mean that. It is always a pleasure catching up with you. One of my very, very favourite people to speak to about this crazy old sport that we work in, or when it's about we work in it. Um, hopefully, <laughs> it won't be too long before I see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Air Jones. See you, mate. Take care, mate. <laughs> 